0: Hello and welcome to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is Jay Swords, and this is the 452nd show of ROI. Our guest for today's show is Kelly Lau, Executive Director of the German American Heritage Center and Museum in Davenport, who's going to be talking to us about the Hidden Habsburgs, 1848 to 1868. History buffs for today's show are Rick Sweet and Ed Broders. The show's theme song is Kayla's Theme, written and performed by Mark Sap sapital And our producer and engineer, as always, is Dave Baker. To begin, welcome back to the show, Kelly.
1: Thank you. Pleasure to be here.
0: We are excited to have you. Um, the first segment of the show we call Farouk Danarin, and our goal really is just to give listeners some background information. So uh, can mm-hmm. you start us off with some basic information on who the Habsburgs were and why they were hiding?
1: Oh, sure. <laughs> well, um, we, the Habsburg Empire is so long and amazingly uh, intricate. It's uh, definitely of its own um uh, whole, you could do like seven podcasts on it, I'm sure. Uh, but the Habsburg Empire was uh, really large, and you know, kind of uh, had more of a marriage situation going on, where they would get power through marriages rather than maybe taking over from a lot of battles. But um, it lasted a very long time. <laughs> but uh, I want to take you to a specific point in time, and that's 1848 in Europe. Europe. 1848 was a year of revolution. Um, It started in Paris and spread throughout the the continent. Uh, In Davenport here, we're really familiar with 1848 because of all the revolutionaries that left the Schleswig-Holstein area. And they revolted against the Danish crown up there. They wanted these 48 er revolutions. They wanted liberty and freedom and uh, autonomy and did not want to be ruled under a crown. And uh, obviously, in the Habsburg Empire, that's another place where um there were people revolting against the kind of royal crown and paying uh dues to these um these monarchs so in eighteen forty eight these revolutions were uh all over, and people were uh fighting for rights, and they lost so <laughs> a lot of people didn't feel like they had a future in their homeland anymore um for a little bit of context, too, in this time period, you know, Germany is a bunch of little duchies. You know, it's not a, a state nation. Um, and when we're looking at Austria and Hungary, that kind of area is where we're talking about the Habsburgs and the 1848 revolutionaries from that area, um, because we know about the German revolutionaries here, and they made up, you know, a lot of the mover, movers and shakers and business owners that came here and made Davenport what it is today. But the Austrian and Hungarians, uh, they weren't necessarily hiding. We just don't know about them as well. They were here and they did have an effect and role in Scott County, eastern Iowa, and the whole state of Iowa. But they are less well-known than maybe the German revolutionaries of that same period. Uh, In our exhibit we have coming up called Hidden Habsburgs, we are discussing that. Why did they leave... Where, what um, kind of situation and circumstances were they um, leaving? And then we find out about 1868, when in uh, the Austrian-Hungarian area there was a mass forgiveness. Basically, so you can come back home and no one will prosecute you for your, you know, revolutionary activities a couple de- a decade or so ago. So that is another difference between the German revolutionaries that we had in Davenport and some of the Hungarian and Austrians. So the Germany, Germany didn't have a, a, a mass forgiveness come back, and uh, most of our Germans stayed here. So uh, that's a little bit different. So we wanted to explore that theme and really dig into this lesser-known community that was here, you know, and had brought these ideas of um, liberty and justice and these really powerful ideals to our little part of the country, so that's kind of a, a little bit of background on why we're doing the exhibit and who we're going to be talking about uh, here at the German Heritage Center.
0: Okay, um, I'm going to follow up on on sort of the end of that conversation because yeah. if you are if you're going to import, which is essentially what we were doing, is is taking mm-hmm. immigrants uh, who are of a revolutionary bend. Um, that has to have an impact on the community that they're going to, which has not been Mm -hmm. through that kind of a revolutionary situation uh, and so forth. We're we're still before the Civil War, so we haven't had our revolution, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, So how did these um, Austro-Hungarians, how did they affect the community in Davenport and the surrounding areas? Did they uh, change things economically? Did they change things socially? Um, Did they change literary culture or newspaper? We know the German uh, community was certainly uh, active in the newspaper business. Did these guys do the same kinds of things? Talk to us a little bit about that before we close the segment here in a couple of minutes.
1: Oh, yes. So... That's a really great. We have some really interesting people that we can highlight in talking about the social, cultural, economic effects. Um, one person I might bring up is Samuel Herschel. And he was actually um, in a, a Jewish man in, that was born in Vienna. And while he didn't partake in the revolutions, he um, felt that it was unsettled where he was and came to Iowa. And we had actually... A very uh great effect economically and culturally from him, so uh I don't know if very many people are familiar with the kind of turn of the century Vienna. you know it's that um Viennese coffee tort salon right. conversations. Right. you know he's kind of an upper class gentleman uh who came here, and he had a um, very rigorous business that was very successful here um, in banking in Davenport. And he lived actually on West 4th Street. So just just west of Warren Street. So really close to where we are at the German Heritage Center. And he had this huge house where he had 11 children. And he would host salons where they would have the intellectuals of the city and the the politicians and everyone come and just kind of have that um, quintessential profit cafe and uh, conversation and philosophical discussions at his home. So that was a really, that's a really interesting person that we want to talk about in the exhibit. Um, but also he's interesting because he did go back in 1868. So we had this short time period where he's bringing this kind of neat, uh, Viennese culture to Davenport and, uh, really affecting the intellectual culture in this area. Um, and also he's one of, um, the early, um, People who brought uh, the Judaism to the uh, area, so there wasn't too many people of the Jewish faith in that time period. So he was really important figure for that. Um, um, Another person, Kelly. I'm
0: going to interrupt you because we're at the end of the segment here. Oh, Um, but so hold that thought, and I'm sure you're going to get a chance in the next segment to talk about more people. Um, Yes, thank you. So please stay tuned for the next segment of our Mm -hmm. show. This is ROI on KLA St. Ambrose University, 106.1
2: FM. The KALA website is your one-stop spot to find out more about your favorite radio station, submit a public service announcement, catch up on news about KALA, and listening to any of our three stations, 88.5, 1061, or The Stinger, is just a click away. Visit KALAFM.org. That's KALAFM.org.
0: Hello, and welcome back to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant. The radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is Jay Swords. This is the second segment of our show called The Kitchen Table. Our guest for today is Kelly Lau, Executive Director of the German American Heritage Center and Museum in Davenport. And we're talking about hidden Habsburgs. 1848 to 1868, a new exhibit at the museum. For today's show, our history buffs are Rick Sweet and Ed Broders. Rick, why don't you start us off?
3: I I will do that, Ed. Uh, Jay, or whoever you, you are. <laughs> whoever I am, right. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Kelly, Kelly, you were talking about uh, Sam uh, Samuel Herschel uh, before the, uh, the break, and you want to continue to what impact he had uh, in the Quad Cities while he was here, before he went back home?
1: Oh, sure. So, um, yeah, he actually kind of uh, brought a lot of economic prosperity during uh, that pre-Civil War time period. Um, He returned to Vienna in about 1868, 1867. So um, he did uh, kind of... uh, Last year, through the Civil War time period, uh, and also during that time um, it was there were a lot of uh, revolutionaries that fought in the civil war they um when they first came to America, they might have left europe um, and they would come to New Orleans at this point so if you can imagine putting yourself into their shoes, you just fought for freedom and liberty and um you know, not being a serf or treated uh, poorly, and then you, re- you land in New Orleans in 1850. So what are you going to see? You're going to see like a slave auction, enslaved people, uh, and that's going to be the first introduction to this country that you thought was going to be freedom for you. So that had a very large effect for people who were traveling up the Mississippi and decided that they wanted to go further north. They didn't want to stay in the south, and they would come to St. Louis. They'd come to Davenport. And uh, so that was a, a very big effect on many of the um, revolutionaries that came here. So we did find them. Uh, there was uh, examples of John Jacob Wunderlich and uh, <laughs> some really good um, Rombauer that were you know, very seasoned fighters from these revolutionary time periods. And when the Civil War came about, they took up arms because it was something they, they already believed strongly in. Um, I do want to mention another um, Hop- uh, Hopsburg that we'll call her, um, because, you know, we have these um, movers and shakers that are men that are affecting the, you know, financial and cultural state of uh, the area or fighting and the Civil War, um, taking up arms and being part of Iowa's um call to arms and but there's also other people who had uh interesting fact maybe even on american culture at at large so um i'm going to bring up the gangster big nose kate (laughs) so i'm not sure if anyone's actually ever heard of her but
0: um no but i like her already
1: (laughs) yeah so it's um mary Catherine heroni uh and she was actually um born kind of in Hungary and his, uh, came to the United States in 1860 with her father and her mother. Um, and she was one of several children that came. So she was actually only about maybe 13 or so when, uh, I think when she came to the United States, um, her parents, they lived down here in Davenport, probably like on West 2nd Street here, right next to the center. Um, and, when uh, when they got here, her parents, her father was a doctor. They actually died um, of yellow fever. So uh, her and all her siblings were orphaned at that point. The younger ones kind of went to, like, different homes or something like that, and the older ones were um, old enough to kind of be on their own. But Kate was kind of right in the middle. Um, and there's some kind of, you know, lore and things surrounding her because she um, apparently moved to Texas, where she met Doc Holliday. Oh. Now, here's where you're going to be like, okay, I'm hearing some names I recognize, um, and um, at, you know, he's she's kind of like his lady or something. So, uh, they they went to Dodge City. Um, they were registered as married at some point. Um, they uh, he opened up a dental practice, of course, getting his name Doc Holliday. But uh, they had a tumultuous relationship, um, and they uh, moved to, to Tombstone. <laughs> so uh, big, yeah. She started out. It's kind of a, a you know, a, a nickname that you get when you're, I guess, um, uh, western, old western gangster. But it's kind of a, uh, and maybe a racist type of uh, name for her. Uh, but they actually, in 1939, uh, she was in the Tombstone area. Uh, and was at the gunfight at the OK Corral. So uh, she she's part of that kind of uh, Western lore that especially Germans find so interesting about America, but uh, was, you know, living right here in Davenport where, you know, she became an orphan and her life was turned upside down and led to, I guess, some kind of like a little bit of violence and notoriety. Uh, so that's also another interesting person that, you know, kind of comes from this revolutionary time period and you know, has their own effect on uh on American culture in general even. Uh there now this didn't always happen just here in Davenport. You know, there was um uh New Buddha was proposed in Cedar Rapids as a place kind of a utopian place for um revolutionaries from the Hungarian areas. Um like a, called New Budapest almost. Sure. Um there were people who, you know, just were everyday working-class people who just kind of worked in the businesses, you know, didn't rise to the level of maybe Count Feduary, (laughs) another Austro-Hungarian that might be a little bit more uh, uh, well-known in this area, especially kind of up by the St. Ambrose area. We have the Feduary Park, um, which once was a, a, a zoo down there. And we did have uh, his estate and different buildings that he owns with his name still on it scattered throughout Davenport. Um, So that's also another person that we're going to talk about in the exhibit. Uh, What's really cool, too, is not only that we're having this exhibit opening, you know, April 23rd through July 23rd, but um, it is a traveling exhibit. So we are making it um, specifically to go to other locations throughout the uh, country and we have a couple places up in Madison and Chicago that are interested in hosting this. So um, the, this uh, kind of little hidden hopsburg, well, they will no longer be <laughs> hidden. They'll be more well-known as the exhibit travels, uh, travels around. Uh, additionally, with this um, program, we are going to have a conference. And that's going to be um, April 30th and May 1st. And we actually have scholars from University of Kansas. And our own local uh, German scholar, Dr. William Roba, who will be um, kind of doing keynotes and talking us through this really interesting time period. Uh, We're very fortunate to have funding for all this from the Batsteiba Institute for Austrian-American Studies. So they were um, really excited to see us kind of create this new scholarly work and have it in a public dissemination form through the exhibition and through the conference. Which is um, with the support of the Bot Cyber Institute, free for people to register for. So right. that's very exciting.
0: Yeah, um, Ed, I'm it's tough to follow all of that up, but I'm sure you have a question.
3: <laughs> um, I, I do, and it's one that I hadn't thought of until about the last thirty seconds. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, the original grant on our family farm dated from 1863. And it was uh, in the name of a Colonel Fejeverry. And this is the end of what I know, Um, but it would be consistent with someone coming over um, from the Austro, based on the name, from Austria-Hungaria, with Mm -hmm. perhaps some revolutionary experience, because the guy was a colonel. Um, And... Mm. Does this make any sense that this could be the same person? Yeah, I know he um, he owned a lot of land.
1: Uh, so uh, he actually liked this area because he had a home on the Danube River. So, you know, this river location oh. was very good for him. How far out uh, in the country, like, are we talking here? That might be interesting um, to find out, too. Of-
3: West of Walcott, and and it, it's and okay. the other thing I thought about was that perhaps this was compensation for serving in the Union Army mm. because the government the government had land, but they didn't have any money, and this was yeah. not uncommon exactly
1: oh wow interesting now um he uh he definitely um you know left because of the revolutions and everything uh but uh, he settled in Davenport in about 1853. So I'm not sure if that timeline fits for everything. Uh, so well, it sure uh, does. Wait. Oh, it does. Okay, great. I was uh, Dates aren't my best thing, <laughs> so I have to have notes. Yeah, because uh, the ground yeah, on the farm he, was And he actually, um, it said that he bought over 3,000 acres of land in surrounding counties from the government and then sold it for a huge profit. <laughs> so, um But he actually did uh, uh, take care of a lot of uh, farmers that were aging out of their work Mm -hmm. and um, uh, really cared about college students and had a lot of scholarships for uh, students um, at Kirkwood College, Blackhawk, Mustatine, Augustana, Wartburg, (laughs) and St. Ambrose even, and University of Iowa. So it's kind of interesting that he has that connection to education as well as the farmland.
3: Uh, yeah and it, and he sold it in a very short period of time uh to my um great 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 grandfather. Um oh, yes. And yeah, I just I I just had never I'd never heard his name in any other
1: context.
3: Mm-hmm. Um oh, other yeah. than the park. Sure. Exactly.
1: Yeah, he uh definitely um Looks kind of like you would imagine a count look. so <laughs> Google if you Google search to do the image search, uh, check out his beard. It's very <laughs> wonderful. Uh, <laughs> but yes, uh, it's so um it's so interesting the kind of time period that you can think about, like there's all these revolutionaries in this area. people are getting involved in politics. There's a lot of German language being spoken. Um, a lot of these people are attracted because of these uh, german revolution revolutionaries in this area that's kind of also helps attract them to this specific um, area to kind of make home for the time period they're here. And yeah, thinking about the salons and all the uh, happenings, I can just imagine that that would be a really, if you could time travel, that would be a really interesting place to go to is um, Davenport in the 1850s when, you know, things are just kind of newly, newly settled as a state. Uh, uh, We are, just developing. Uh, maybe some ferries are going across, you know, the train bridge is coming. So it sounds like a very exciting time uh, in this area. So it would be, it's kind of fun to travel back there and doing this research and uh, learning about these different movers and shakers, but also the everyday people who are, um, you know, just kind of experiencing this Davenport in this Scott County. <laughs>
0: Right, Um, Kelly. I I want to kind of focus on that. Um, You know Mm -hmm. that the that the big names always draw everyone's attention, but in an exhibit Mm -hmm. like this, I've often found it's those those stories about the average everyday person that are particularly poignant. Do you have a couple of those that you'd like to share, just to to give us a sense of what we're going to see?
1: Oh, sure. Let's see here. I probably could talk a little bit about um, (laughs) this. we have a, a kind of a, a gentleman called Speletich. I'm trying to uh, pronounce things. He was a Hungarian in Scott County. Um, and he actually uh, became a head of um, a Gordon Van Tyne company. So uh, now that was the precursor to, oh gosh. Um, well, it was basically a building and material uh, company that eventually made houses and everything. Um, so that was kind of a uh, interesting little part of uh, our history that Mr. Speletic became the vice president of the county of the company. He was uh, actually born here in Scott County, but his family was um, from the Hungarian empire and uh, yeah, they, you know, worked his way up from just kind of um, lumber mills and working on the river with logs and worked in this um, business here Um Now, uh, I think, let's see here. Another person I can kind of talk about is a Civil War soldier, and he was was named Rombauer. He was actually one of uh, many Hungarian immigrants who went to Argentina first (laughs) and then came to Davenport. So I just can imagine, like, seeing this much of the world in uh, this time period could be pretty wild. But he just kind of uh, settled down on a farm, and was not very prosperous as a farmer, and he moved to Davenport uh, into the town because his farming wasn't going well. And he kind of uh, played a small role in politics. Uh, He helped edit uh, Der Democrat, actually, the German language newspaper. Um, And, you know, he just, he died at age 52, kind of young. So he just had a little, you know, little effect with, you know, doing the uh, edit co editing of the newspaper and had some interesting early life, but you know, just kind of that, you know, another participant that came here from, uh, maybe Austria with the name Rombauer it's a little more Germanic sounding, uh, and, uh, you know, just found, tried to farm and tried to, you know, help where he could in the politics through the newspaper. So, It's you know not all uh, counts and gangsters. (laughs) uh, (laughs) That's yeah. There's a few people um, that we'll talk about like that, Um, but yeah, the uh, the big names draw them in for sure. We are we're really lucky that um, we have these scholars kind of helping us and coming to talks during our conference too, because they you know have spent a lifetime writing articles for maybe the Society for German American Studies. Or uh, different um, Austrian journals, and etc., that they have um, a good basis to kind of figure out why, you know, what were the family members of people like the descendants of the people who stayed here? What was it like for their, you know, early relatives? Are they related to someone who was a Habsburg uh, revolutionary that came to this area? Um, and in our workshop, in our conference, we'll actually find um, work with the Davenport Public Library to help people do that kind of research and find out how they can uh, trace back their roots, uh, whether or not it be to a <laughs> count or a gangster, but they can uh, trace back their roots into this time period and see if they had a relative that was living this life and experiencing this time period as well in what capacity. So that'll be a really uh, special part of our conference coming up. All
0: right, um, I want. We always give our guests the last word on the show, and I'm going to do this a little bit early because I don't want to. Uh, I don't want you to feel like you're you're cramped in your response. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, the question would be: Why do you think knowing about these hidden Habsburgs is relevant in today's world?
1: Sure. Well, I think it's. Um, It's Well, especially in the past few days, I feel like it's become really relevant because uh, we're watching um, uh, Eastern Europe very closely in uh, recent days and seeing what's going on uh, with Ukraine. So uh, a lot of uh, Ukrainians were part of these 1848 revolutions as well. So it's all tied. Everyone's connected in these histories um, from Davenport to Europe to uh, today and finding out about people who... Um had a notion that they felt so strongly about that they were willing to speak up and take action is very important when you're in a time period where you might have disinformation and uh to speak out against that so I think students can um can learn from this a lot and take these kind of um you know i i don't want I don't necessarily have to be revolutionary but my I can be uh, stand up for my thoughts and my beliefs, um, and just doing that is revolutionary in itself. So uh, we use that we kind of throw that term around a little bit, but I think it's inspiring and you know it, it makes the world a little smaller to know that you are connected, whether it be just through your community or through your actual ancestry, to people who um, who stood up and spoke truth to power and maybe didn't win but they still um did what they thought was right. So that's that's kind of my uh takeaway of in a broad sense of what you can learn from uh the actions of the people we're discussing in the exhibit um and how we can draw connections to today.
3: Okay,
0: um Rick and Ed, I'm going to give you each a minute or so to uh, pine in on this as well. Why do you guys think that an exhibit like this is uh, relevant in today's world? Rick, start out.
3: Well, I think uh, it's uh, always interesting that, uh, particularly in America, we're not obsessed, I don't think, but we are really interested in from whence we've come and where our neighbors have come from, and these kind of exhibits are just uh, fabulous because you get to see not only the the uh, rich and famous, but also, as you mentioned, Jay, the the common person, where these people came, and particularly if you could connect your relatives to being a gangster or a <laughs> Western thief
0: <laughs> or or a count. <laughs>
3: yes, <laughs> yes, um, Ed,
1: and even well, just the I'm, conversation. Oh, I'm sorry.
3: Go ahead. <laughs> no, um, no, my thinking is much along the same lines as Rick, and for for me personally. Um I, I spent most of my life uh, west of Walcott on a farm, and that area was settled by people mostly from Schleswig-Holstein, but they came over here hating the government and the church. So they were con- conservative and not religious, and for me, um, I'm curious to know as if the same thing was true of the people that came from the Austro-Hungarian Empire, the Habsburg Empire, in that same time period. Okay. Kelly, oh, we yes. cut you off, so yeah, you got to. Oh, no, uh, no, I was
1: I was really um, pleased that we, you know, this is the exact point, you know, he found, has a connection with his family land, you know, to what we're talking about, so these little connections are there, um, but as far as that, we are kind of digging in on um, one of the West End churches, it's called St. Kunigunde, and then it became St. Joe's, and uh, if you kind of think about that name, you're like, okay, that's not a German <laughs> Name and the saint that it's named after is definitely a unique uh, saint. So um, there's definitely some uh, religious um, uh, tendencies from a lot of the the Habsburg Still, I'm sure that there were uh, also you know the uh, people in the salons and uh, discussing uh, philosophical. They're discussing religion and they're discussing you know, God and existence of God or something, you know, uh, in these, in these conversations and, um, kind of high-minded circles too. So there's a little bit of both. Um, it, it kind of seems to, um, be a little bit, um, class-based at times. So, uh, some of the, like, especially the German Forty ers you know, they, um, they were like maybe doctors or intellectuals and things that came here and they might've rejected um, religious leanings, whereas more working class people um, embraced it as kind of um, a look of hope for their lives when, you know, it might be a lot of drudgery and treacherous work (laughs) that they complete six days a week before they can have their uh, Sunday off. So, um, and also some of them did drink, beer and go to church on Sunday, so it wasn't um, usually exclusive uh, that you're one way or the other during that kind of—even Iowa had uh, prohibition kind of elements uh, in the 1850s which, you know, didn't take much hold with all these Germans around this
0: point. (laughs) Kelly, I'm going to have to cut you off here. Uh, We're going to continue this conversation in our podcast segment, so you might want to tune in and catch that as well. Uh, When we come back, we're going to wrap things up, so please stay tuned. This is ROI on KLA, St. Ambrose University, 106.1 FM. You're listening to
2: Relevant or Irrelevant. ROI airs Friday nights at 9.30 p.m. on KALA HD2 and can also be heard at 106.1 FM in the Metropolitan Quad City area. You can stream this show every Friday night at TuneIn.com. Search for KALA HD2.
0: This concludes our 452nd show of ROI, relevant or irrelevant. Our producer and engineer is Dave Baker. Our program manager is Rick Sweet. And the theme song for our show is titled Kayla's Theme and was written and performed by Mark Zapp My name is Jay Swords. We'd like to thank our guest, Kelly Lau, Executive Director of the German American Heritage Center and Museum in Davenport, who talked to us about The Hidden Habsburgs, 1848-1868. The history buffs for today's show were Rick Sweet and Ed Broders. This is ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, on KALA. The views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of St. Ambrose University or KALA. We'd like to wish all listeners to experience the Great Basutu Proverb, Hotza Pula Nala, Peace, Rain, and Prosperity. And remember, historians are horrible fortune tellers. Good night. <music>